Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Do Movies Badly, a podcast exploration of my cinematic ignorance. I am your host, Jim Rohner, and despite being an amateur film critic since 2006, I am woefully ignorant of many films, filmmakers, and genres that consensus has deemed important, and thus I have created this podcast to document my journey into cinematic edification. This month, I'm exploring some more Mumblecore films, um, as recommended this time around by David Bax, and in this week's episode, I'll be talking about um, Andrew Bujalski's 2002 film, the one that um, consensus claims started the mumblecore genre, Funny Haha. Now, before we get into the episode, um, a little bit of housekeeping at first. Um, two things that I am uh, apologizing for. Number one, the um, delay in the posting of this episode. Normally, I, I like to have them up on Mondays or Tuesdays, but in this one, clearly is going to it is a little bit later, um, and also just for the low quality of my voice. The two things are actually um, not mutually exclusive. Um, I am keeping my voice down because uh, my fiancé is in the other room um, trying to sleep, and my fiancé is in the other room um, trying to sleep because I am recording this later um, in the actual day than I normally would because um, I am currently taking a summer grad school cinema studies course, um, but because I work a full-time job during the day, it has to be a night course. So from 6 to 10 um, uh, in the evenings on Mondays through Thursdays, I am taking this course, and so I'm basically going from, um, with my job and with the class, I'm going from 9 in the morning until um, basically getting home at 11 o'clock at night. So a little bit tired um, and a, a little bit busy, which is why it's taking me some time to kind of get around to this. You can imagine that after um, a full day of work and uh, another four hours of um, intellectual exercising in um, exploring cinema, it's a little bit difficult to um, to sometimes work up the, the motivation to um, get in-depth um, about uh, another film, and specifically, I should say, getting into the episode of film that I did not particularly care for. Um, if you do follow me on um, Facebook or um, Twitter, um, number one, my condolences to you, but um, you would have seen the screenshot that I posted, which was um, a comical and yet somewhat accurate um, depiction of my thoughts on Funny Haha, taken straight from the film itself, in which um, while the um, lead character of uh, Marnie, as played by Kate Dolenmeyer, is out on, I guess you could say it's a, a date, a hangout, I don't even think she would know what to call it, um, with uh, Alex, as played by Christian Rudder, um, she, uh, they're, they're making, I guess, what some people would call raspberries, making fart noises with their tongue, um, and seeing as, uh, it's a, um, the film has a kind of a, a very low audio quality because of its, um, early amateurish, um, low production value, um, had the subtitles on as we were watching it because we were watching it with the air conditioning on, and so, um, I took a screenshot of her doing that, and, um, the screenshot says something to the effect of, uh, making fart noises, <laughs> which was... Basically, sort of my response to this film. Um, I I don't care for it. I I, I will say that um, unlike um, uh, Dance Party USA or Revolution Summer, um, I, I could see the 
I want to say, I, I want to say, but I don't want to say value, but I can at least kind of appreciate what this film was doing and why it could sort of be held up or remembered as um, this thing that is kind of a, what, what, what kicked off the, the genre. Um, but also at the same time, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that I, that I like it or that I'm, I'm on board with um, what is, you know, what, what Bajowski is, is doing with it. Um, it, it was, it was interesting because the, the, the one thought that I kept kind of returning to that was in the back of my mind the entire time when I was watching this was the thought that, or, or the, the, the opinion that David expressed when I asked him the question of what makes the kind of films that you're talking about, what makes them cinematic? And his response was basically, well, what makes them cinematic is that they are cinema, is that basically someone took a camera and decided to film this story, which at the time I thought was was kind of a cop-out, to be honest with you, like, in the sense of, like, just, just because something is film doesn't mean it's, it's worthy to be filmed, or doesn't mean that this needed to be a film, uh, per se, which is kind of a, a, I guess, a pretentious argument, because that it can be applied to basically anything, you know, why does this piece of art have to be a book, or why does this have to be a song, or why does this have to be a painting? Um, the, the, the question, uh, the, the critical question of, why does this have to be a movie is not something which is exclusive to movies. Um, but I still kind of wondered, you know, like if, if you do have a, a bunch of middle-class 20-somethings who are just kind of meandering and non-professional actors and the, the plot doesn't seem to go anywhere, what makes that inherently cinematic? Because I think that, um, you know, when you think of, of cinema, when you think of cinematography, and when you think of people like, you know, um, or, or when you think of directors who are really... Um, have a, a, a real visual stamp, a real kind of um, aesthetic trademark that they apply to all their their projects. You kind of do um, you you kind of do st- tend to start leaning towards this bias that um, in order for a film to be worthy, it has to be, if not visually spectacular, then at least um, visually uh, appealing. Basically, um, the films that kind of get um, criticized for. Um, squandering that potential are you know romantic comedies or just bad films where, where you kind of see stuff which is um you know wide shot for coverage um shot reverse shot when you have your conversations and stuff which is not really inspired or which uh, really kind of you know stirs the the you know gets you really you know inspired to get out there and and make movies really it's like oh this is you know this is the kind of thing i've wanted to see my entire life when, when you know conversation scenes are basically just as though someone put a camera down just to film a conversation, and it doesn't seem like there's much thought that got, that went into it other than just kind of uh, efficiency and coverage. Um, but as the film was going along, I did kind of start to think about uh, what David was saying, kind of realizing that what makes this film cinematic is that it is cinema in the sense that the tone and the emotion that this story was, what I have to admit was quite um, effective at conveying, is not something that could be conveyed in any other art form. Um, But let me step back and get into that because that's not necessarily for me a, I don't want to say it's not a good thing, but it's not something that I necessarily want to revisit or, or, or this is not a film that I want to watch again now that I've watched it for the first time. Um, I <laughs> I was really waiting the entire time while I was watching Fun- uh, Funny Haha. Ha. I, I was waiting for it to 
make, I guess, some type of grandiose statement or, or kind of within the subtext kind of say something profound about the uh, malaise or, or, or the state that the characters sort of find themselves in. And the state that the characters find themselves in is being um, a 23-year-old without any real idea of what you're doing in life, both professionally and personally. Um, Marnie has no real job. She has no real idea what she wants to do. She has no plan to tackle that problem. Um, and she has an attraction towards a boy that at the beginning of the film uh, she knows is in a relationship with someone else, but she has no real idea or plan to tackle that problem. Um, and not to say that having um, feelings for someone and someone else in, in, in a, uh, a relationship is a problem, but there is something that she wants and she cannot achieve that, and she doesn't have a plan as to what to do about that, whether that is um, make that kind of well-known and be deliberate about that after he breaks up with her, or just try and make an effort to kind of get over it. Um, in both the professional and the personal sense, what Marnie is very much doing, and what it seems like a lot of the characters around her are doing, is just floating with the hope that maybe something would reveal itself at some point which would kind of give direction, give guidance. Maybe someone would say something profound to kind of make life make sense. Or maybe the boy that she likes would come out and say, yes, I'm in love with you and I want to be with you. Maybe the place that she's temping at would offer her a job. Maybe she would stumble upon something which is just kind of um, act as some point or, or some some type of signpost that would point her in the direction that she should be going. And there is none of that. And I have to give the film credit because Bujowski doesn't film or, or doesn't fill the film with despair. There certainly doesn't seem like there's a um a lack. Uh Marnie and none of the really characters around her kind of see their state as something which is inherently negative but it's not something to be admired either and in between those two extremes kind of right in the middle is just kind of this confusion of what is this and how do we deal with it because if you don't understand the situation that you're in if you don't have a plan for it then how are you supposed to feel about it how are you supposed to approach it and I was reminded a little bit too close to comfort, to be completely honest with you, was reminded of that period, that post-college period from, like, you know, the age of 23 to, fuck, man, honestly, maybe 27, in which um, I was doing things, you know, I, I had I had a job, and um, I had a place to live, and I, I had a lot of those kind of, you know, things checked off my list as to, you know, these are things that adults have and adults do, but I didn't know which way I, I'm putting air quotes around this word, should go. I didn't know what I should be doing. I didn't know what I should be feeling. Because when you're in high school and when you're in college, you're kind of going through this process and this system which kind of lends you uh, or or, or um, encourages you um, or tells you this story of 
you're going to go to college because then you're going to get a job because then that's going to lead to a career. And there is this narrative that is, is fed to us that is basically sort of um, life is sort of kind of connecting the dots, you know, um, X leads to Y leads to Z basically and getting out of college and getting, uh, you know, my first job, meeting new people, um, working in, in New York city, um, new skills and, 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 and just, the, and then leading to, instead of answers, just leading to more questions and not having the answers to those questions and feeling incredibly anxious about it and feeling lost and having no idea what I should be doing because what it seemed like to me was that everyone else seemed to know what they were doing. Every time I talked to my friends, they were working, you know, they were working certain jobs or they were moving to, or or they were moving away from their hometown to go to a different city to pursue something. And it kind of seemed like there was, they were on that path. Whereas, you know, they went from X to Y, I was still stuck in C basically, you know, just kind of sitting here wondering what I was doing and why I was doing it. And the things that I was doing and the things that I was, was surrounding myself with were, um, just kind of window dressing it sort of seemed like like I, w- I was doing it but it wasn't leading towards anything I was just kind of like running in place basically um and, and I, I guess the idea being that I I could have um taken initiative but then that initiative would have been contingent on knowing what I wanted to do um and um having some sense of of, of, a, of a picture which is bigger than me And all those memories of those years kind of came flooding back as I was sitting here watching um, Marty just kind of float from one temp job to the next and then get done with work and what was she doing, just kind of hanging out with friends, just in these small cramped kitchens with just a few, you know, people scattered around a a weird house party and um, sputtering and stuttering to kind of express just the simplest... um, of emotions, and I don't say simple in in a negative way. I mean it is, at the heart, quite simple what she feels and what she wants. But, um, um, it, it's simple, but it is profound, and it is in, in you know um, valid. You know what she feels about um, the uh, the Alex character, but she can't express it. And oh my god! And probably the 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 worst part for me about this film in the sense of um, almost kind of wanting to mute it and turn it off and not listen to it because of how painfully awkward it was in its realism was uh, shortly after Alex breaks up with his girlfriend or we hear that Alex has broken up with his girlfriend and Marnie tells Alex's sister that she's really into him um, and, uh, the sister, you know, gets word back and, and Alex calls her and there's this phone conversation that goes on for, it can't be any more than like two or three minutes. And it feels like it goes on for 10 because you have the, both of them speaking a lot of words in a sequence that would seem like it is a sentence and yet neither of them are really saying anything, or at least what they are saying is 
very simple, and yet they are the opposite of concise in the words that they're using and the language that they're trying to convey. Um, in what it seems like he's basically kind of saying, you know, I'm not into you, so I don't want to make this weird, but I wanted that to be clear. And what she is saying is, yeah, I don't want it to be weird either, and I'm sorry if I did make it weird. I didn't want to, you know, the, the general message is sort of like, let's not make a big deal about this. But they talk around it, and I recognize what that is because that was me at one point, and that was all of us at one point, I think, in the sense of being uncomfortable in our own skin and not knowing how to deal with our own emotions and kind of trying to leave our our juvenile, immature ways behind, but we're not really fully adults yet. So what is it to have feelings, and what is it to be mature, and what is it to be in touch with that and present and centered and kind of to be communicative and to convey effectively what I want, why I want it, and what I'm going to do to try to achieve that. Um, and, and just those, those simple language, uh, not even language techniques, but just those emotional techniques, those defenses of, um, hey, I heard you're into me. No, 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 I'm not. I mean, yeah, I think you're cool, but no, it's not like you know, it's, it's whatever. And, and just what you are, the reading in between the lines, it's like, yes, I am into you, but I'm so uncomfortable right now. And I'm trying to kind of defer and deflect and, and, and get around or, 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 or dilute that, un, that, that uncomfortable feeling as much as I possibly can. It's so specific to that situation and being confronted with your feelings but it's also an existential thing too of just deferring and deflecting and not taking steps to kind of get outside of the situation that we're in because I don't know what I want to do to step outside of that situation and getting a new job and pursuing you know a career and moving to a new city and getting away from the things that I knew was such an uncomfortable thing that I just wanted to put it off for as long as I possibly could. And it is interesting to me how Bujalski kind of films this over just a, a series of days. We don't see, you know, we're, we're we, you know, I'm glad that he, he ignores the temptation to show us the graduation or to have them talk about um, when they were in college or to um or or that he avoids having a character which is like yeah i just got this great opportunity in uh new york or san francisco or something and by ignoring uh the past and also not looking towards the future he has this um narrow focus on this fleeting period in our lives in which is just sort of that it is that uncertainty and it's so uncomfortable and it's so awkward and there is kind of this waffling and a non-committalness to it not because of like hey let's enjoy our youth while we have it but just more of like I don't want to hang on to this so I'm going to actively not participate in my own life so that I won't leave it behind that's at least how it felt to me because when I was at this age that's what I was feeling so here I am saying that Bujowski has actually done quite an effective job at conveying a certain mood and a certain tone 
one that I will say made me kind of uncomfortable almost a de- over a decade later because I that was a period that I'm not eager to revisit. So it's effective, but it's not necessarily one that I want, that I cared to revisit. And in turn, this is not a film that I care to revisit again after I've watched it now for the first time, first and last time. So it's a, it's a weird, I guess, contradiction uh, to say that, like, hey, here's a, a, a film that I, you could subjectively say does a very good job at something. But I'm not necessarily putting value in it. It is valid in general. It is just not valuable to me. And it's funny because as good of a job as this film did in exploring that, because it was exploring a a time and a place which was, I have to imagine, so specific to so many of us, it also makes the film seem dated. Um, I, I have to admit that I expected uh, from a film from 2002 to be filmed on uh, mini-DV or something and just kind of having that immediate aesthetic of like, yep, this was this was my film school um, experience too, but it, was, it wasn't. It was still very low budget, filmed on 16mm, but there is a, even though, you know, Good luck these days finding any film which is is shot for 16 or shot on 16. It might be something which is independent or experimental. Um, the most recent film that I can think of which was shot on 16mm was um, Carol by Todd Haynes a few years ago, and even that was shot on Super 16 and blown up to uh, 35 for its presentation. Um, but it does have, and, and for that one it works because it's a period piece, and so there's um, a graininess and sort of a a, um, a halcyon look to it, and like a, a a a look and feel of a certain time that makes sense for that film. When this one, I think, if it would had been filmed in that early digital video format, would have kind of um, given it a very you know specific time and specific place in, in terms of its aesthetic, but. I was, so I was caught off guard that it was filmed in 16mm because that, that adds an element of timelessness. Um, I, I think celluloid does that, um, adds an element of timelessness to it that, um, you know, that kind of early DV uh, technology would not have had. Um, uh, you know, you, you, you could actually, you know, the fact that it was... Um, shot in 2002 on 16 millimeter because the look of it, like you know, it has a little bit of flexibility in the sense of like this film. This feels like it could have been filmed maybe even in like 1992, maybe 10 years earlier, or you know, maybe even you know five years later, basically because it's still, um, it is still celluloid, which was still um, for a long period of time the the primary storytelling um, medium, basically. Um, so it wasn't even the it wasn't the aesthetic it wasn't the location it's not even even anything about the technology that um, made this film feel dated but just because the of the the general malaise the general tone of that film the emotional experience that I had while feeling it because of that relation to the characters and what they are going through at that time. That, to me, is such a specific feeling to such a specific time in our lives 
for, and I, I guess I should step back and say not for everyone, obviously, but if you are that, um, you know, that, that middle-class person that, um, graduated from college and just kind of had that experience of coming out and just not knowing what to do, this film explores such a specific tone and mood that whether it takes place in 1985 or it takes place in, in, you know, 1992 or 2002, no matter when temporally the film actually is supposed to take place, the period in our lives that it speaks to is so specific that it kind of makes this film feel dated, that there is a universality, 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 <laughs> There's a, a, a universal relation to it in regards to a, 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 a kind of somewhat narrow demographic and the experience that they went through and being, you know, um, you know, you kind of feel like Marnie was born in a small town, raised in a small town, went to college, moved back to that small town. That's a very specific experience that not everyone in this, in this country, in this world, has gone through. Um, but those that have kind of know exactly in their lives when this occurred. And chances are, if you're in college, this is not something you've experienced. If you are 35 like me, this is something you haven't experienced for a long time. So there is a kind of a datedness to the emotion of the film. It speaks to a very specific part of life that we are now past, in theory, um, which isn't to say that, you know, even at 35, we may have, we have a very specific idea in where our lives are going in the sense of, uh, you know, the career that we're on or that sort of thing. Um, but in regards to, uh, there, there is a, a malaise and a meandering, uh, sense to this film, which is very specific to a certain transitionary period in life. And so once again, it's, it does a very effective job at conveying something, but it's a, it does a very specific job at conveying something which is narrow. It's almost as though, uh, it's almost kind of the emotional equivalent of, a, of maybe a film which put so much focus into the architectural detail of um uh costumes or or mechanics or something from the 1920s um that lingers on those things that sort of has someone kind of describing the fabric and the stitching or 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 the the um you know uh internal workings of an automobile that it's like well sure this is great and i got a very clear picture of this but this is something which isn't really relevant anymore that's a very bad uh um, comparison, I'm sure, but you know, it's once again, it's it's late, and I've, I've, I've been very tired the last few days. But, um, yeah, but and and I, I should also say that uh, the stuttering, the sputtering, the non-professional actors do add a, a, more of a, a, a verisimilitude to this story. Um, and while it really bugged me at first, I mean, it still really bugged me, but I also kind of, at the end, kind of begrudgingly accepted it as its own cinematic language. I mean, I, I think, um, you can't reject the way that these people are speaking by saying, 
I don't come to the movies to see this because this is the language of this kind of movie. Just like if you're going to watch a you know a film noir from the 1940s or a Raymond Chandler film, there's going to be a a, a hard edged, hard boiled kind of language to it. Um, there's I would certainly prefer to listen to that kind of language over this kind. But this is a uh, you know the sputtering and the stuttering. This is this is part of this medium or or of this genre I should say or of this storytelling device basically and um I may not find value in it but it is valid uh just as anything else is so one final note it's also kind of interesting to me um that the Alex character is someone who is we so kind of dislike because of how he is so uh opaque um in his approach to Marnie and relationships in general, when um, the actor that plays him, Christian Rudder, um, was one of the uh, co-founders of OK Cupid, um, <laughs> eventually, um, and sold his share and did quite uh, well for himself before, um, eventually forming a band with um, the uh, the character or the actor Justin Rice, who is the uh, Jed, the roommate character. So that was interesting and, and quite funny to me. So. Um, Funny, huh? If you are one of those sickos who wants to kind of revisit this um, specific uh, malaise in their life, then you can do so by watching it on um, Prime Video. Uh, if you have a subscription to that, Canopy, uh, Fandor, and Sundance Now are also the other places you can get it for free. Otherwise, you can get it for rental or purchase on YouTube, Google Play, the Microsoft Store, and iTunes. So... Um, that is really it for me and for Funny Haha. <clears throat> Once again, um, apologies with the delay. Um, apologies for kind of keeping my voice down. Um, this is my first week of class, so I'm trying to kind of get a rhythm for this thing, and so I should be back on track and on schedule um, next week. Um, where, uh, well, I guess outros and stuff. Sorry, once again, tired. Um, BattleshipPretension.com uh, or IDoMoviesBadly.Podbean.com if you want to catch up on back episodes. Uh, follow me on Twitter on Nolan Fixes Teeth. Um, I haven't said this in a while. Uh, leave me an iTunes review. I always really um, appreciate that, and I really appreciate you listening to me through um, all of this uh, rambling uh, and meandering um, a la uh, Mumblecore, as I have been doing so. Um Oh, also, you can email me uh, at youdomoviesbadly at gmail.com. So, um, thank you for listening, and um, be sure to tune in next week where I will hopefully be back on schedule and uh, where I will be covering Medicine for Melancholy, and hopefully I will be just a little bit less ignorant. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.